growing up, I've met a lot of people in my time. I'm a little bit older than, well, most of the people my age, I'm a little bit older than. I mean, some of you are looking at me going, don't even say that. You're not older than me. You know, and the common thread that I always see in people is this. We always want more. Not satisfied with what we have, but always wanting to achieve more, do more, or have more. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that in its correct context. Matter of fact, the apostles asked Jesus for more. Some of them even asked him that, that when they leave this world and they enter the kingdom of heaven, can you allow me to sit at your right hand? Now, Jesus pointed out that's not something that he had the authority to uh, do, but it is, in a sense, a way of asking for more. Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of Luke, chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. And the Word of God says, The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith, he replied. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, Come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, Prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told? So you also, when you have done everything that you were told, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you today, and, and again, thank you for this time that you have given us to gather in this house. And Father, I just ask that during this time that you send your spirit in to, to open up our hearts and minds to, to receive the message that you would have for us. And Father, I ask that you remove from me any desire to speak my own will, but to fill me with your spirit, Father God, that, that I may speak words that are pleasing to you and words that will edify your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Active duty Christians. That's what we had up here on the screen earlier, and that's, that's what I labeled the sermon today, active duty Christians. And when I think about that, I think about the military because the military is broken up into, into two different uh, duty statuses. There's active duty and there's reserve duty. One is not more important than the other. Okay. What's different about it is the lifestyles that they leave. See, the reservists uh, normally meet one weekend out of the month and they train a couple of weeks out of the year. But they're still prone to being called up at any time to serve when they are needed. They get to stay home with their families. They live in the environment in which they're planted, and they, and they benefit from that particular culture. But the active duty personnel don't benefit from that. The active duty personnel immerse themselves in the lifestyle of the military. They don't get to drive everywhere that they need to go to, Oftentimes, each platoon will meet in the mornings, and they will line up in three rows called squads, and they will march that platoon from point A to point B. Sometimes it's a company march made up of more than two platoons, and sometimes it's a battalion, an entire regiment 
of military personnel marching back and forth. It's part of the culture of the military. Constantly saluting officers as they come into the room. Screaming out, attention on deck as, the, as a colonel comes walking in. Looking out for one another on a regular basis. It's part of the culture. So when we read about the apostles and what they're asking of Jesus, the apostles are saying, Lord, increase our faith. What they're saying is this. They're not asking for more things. They're asking Jesus to help them be more faithful Christians. You see, Jesus had just got finished a discussion about how people should forgive one another no matter how many times someone sins against them. So long as the person is repentant, then you should ref uh, continue to forgive. And it's a hard task to do. But that's what the Christian lifestyle is about, loving God and loving one another. And if we want to increase our faith, then we have to practice the things of God. We have to take God's ordinances and take them to heart and make them a part of our life, a part of our daily culture. See, we can be active-duty Christians who, who that when we leave the church house today and we go out into the world, we, we take Jesus with us, that we work to, to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ and not just leave Jesus at the door because our time and service is over. And it takes faith to be that person. But Jesus says that it's not impossible. Matter of fact, he's, he puts it to us like this. He says that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, then you can say to a mulberry tree to uproot yourself and be planted in the sea. Now, I, I, I'm not big in agriculture, so I don't know a lot about today's mulberry trees, but, but the commentaries I read mentioned the mulberry tree that the beliefs in Jesus' day that, is that that tree had very deep roots and, and it was in the ground really strong, really sturdy. But Jesus said that with that little bit of faith that you could say to that tree that's, that's firmly planted, pull yourself up and not just be planted somewhere else where it's possible for a tree to grow, but to be planted in the sea. That even in, in an environment that would bring harm and destruction, your faith could say to that dying thing, live, and it lives. See, we want to grow our faith then we have to exercise our faith. That's, that's how we make our faith stronger. It's just like going to the gym. We want our bodies to be stronger. Then we have to, to lift weights, to, to build muscle, to make it stronger, to, to give it the ability to do and endure more. And as Christians, God tells us every day how to build that faith. Obey my commands. And it's not just a matter of doing what's right and what's wrong, but it's a matter of trusting God with, with all aspects of our life. You see, when we don't trust God with an aspect of our life and we hold on to it, we oftentimes create fear in that particular area. And we show a, a certainty of doubt in our lives that has a negative impact on us. But if we are to, to let go of that fear and let God have that control over our lives, then we would be able to exercise our faith 
and that faith would grow and we would become a stronger people. Now, here's where it gets personal. When it pertains to our relationship with God, God desires for us to grow and experience Him. And believe it or not, in many ways, God does desire for us to have more than what we have. Sometimes we call it hope or or passion to, to see what tomorrow might be. But it takes faith in God to bring that about. Well, what's so personal about that, you say? Well, it gets personal when we start talking about personal finances. See, that's the one thing that we don't want to let go of, right? We, we want to give God everything in our life, but we want to hold on to our monies. But we want to see God do miracles in our lives. We want to see churches grow. We want to see communities grow. We want to, to see you know, God show himself in ways that he never has before. But we can't seem to let go of the money. Now, last week we talked about the evil of the love of money. But today I want to talk about the blessings and giving of that money. See, first thing that we have to understand, and it's one of the things that Jesus pointed out in Luke, is that we don't own anything in this world. Everything that we own or we think we own, everything that we have possession of belongs to God already. He's letting us have those things. Those are his blessings upon us to include our finances. And if we were to truly examine our circumstances and situations, then, then we would humbly notice and humbly admit that, that we would be nowhere if it weren't for the blessings and the guidance and the provision of God. So that when we look at everything that we have and everything that we have accomplished, we don't look to God and say, God, look what I've done and look what I've accomplished. We look to God and say, God, look how good and gracious you have been to me. It's a way of expressing gratitude and acknowledging the great provision of our Father. And Israel struggled with this time and time again, even after the exile, after after they came home and had returned to God. They began to deny God's command again. And that was to give of everything you own to God. A tenth. That's a, a small amount. Out of a dollar, it's just a dime. Out of a hundred dollars, it, it, it's ten dollars. And if we look at it in the whole picture of everything, that, that God has given us everything that we need without question and that he has been with us, what is a tenth? of the things that God blessed us with. It's nothing. But it's so hard for us to let go of. But, but the scriptures are clear when God talks about tithing is that there is an importance to it, and it's not just spiritual obedience, but that it benefits and edifies the church. You see, when you give 10% a tithe of the things that God's given you, you're not just giving it to, to just you know random acts. You're giving it to support the ministries of the church. In the time of Christ and in the time of of Israel, during the first temples, the priest didn't receive a paycheck. 
they lived off what was given by the people. The nation of Israel was divided up, and God commanded that, that everyone give a tenth of their harvest, a, a tenth of their uh, cattle, a tenth of, of everything they receive to what we refer to as the church so that the storehouses will be full, so that the community can be taken care of, so that the people of God can thrive and be taken care of within the church. And the priests were given a tenth of that tenth so that they could live. They weren't allowed to, to own land. But even the, the priests were obligated by God to take a tenth of what they received from the people and give that to God. See, we acknowledge that, that all that we've been given belongs to God and that in his gracious acts of mercy and kindness, he bestows that goodness back upon us. And all he asks is give me back 10%. Now, Israel that's where they didn't want to do that again. And here's how the Lord addressed it in the book of Malachi. And I know that these are hard words, but they are truthful words. And these words are recorded as coming from God. Will mere mortal men rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. You see, when we take something that God has given us, and he has required that, that we give back a portion of it, and we refuse to give it back, we're holding on to something that doesn't belong to us. So in that aspect, we are robbing God. And we don't want to be that people. We want to be active-duty Christians. We want to immerse ourselves in the entirety of what Christianity is, and that means trusting God with our finances. And for many of us, if we can let go of our finances and let God have control of them, the majority of our fear in our lives will be gone. Now, I'm not telling you that, that if you pay your tithes, then, then everything that you want in life is going to be handed to you. I'm not telling you that if you pay your tithes, that, that hardship is not going to befall you. But those are realities of life. Scripture is clear on all of that, that in this world there's going to be hardships and there's going to be troubles, but we do have the promise that, that through Christ we are more than conquerors. And it's God's promise in the paying of tithes that he will provide protection for us as a people and that he will bless our land. And, and he says, if you don't believe this, test me. Take my command and tell me I'm putting you to the test. This is the only time in the scriptures that God says, test me. All the other times he, he says, trust me. But he wants to. He wants us to, to trust him and experience all of his blessings. And he, what he says is that if we test him with our finances, that if we give that tithe to the church house in honor of his name, that the church will thrive that the communities can hear the gospel of Christ and, and experience ministries, then I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour down my blessings upon you. 
And some may say, you know what, I'm not really required to, to give a tithe because that really doesn't address that in the New Testament. And they, and they tend to bring up the story about the widow who, who gave the two mites. So I want to address that for a second. The, and the story goes like this, that, that Jesus was at the temple and all the rich people had come in and given the, their tithes. And they were boasting about what they had done. But then this poor widow come in, and all she had to give were two mites, which in that day was very, very little money. And she gave those two mites as her offering. And Jesus said in that moment that 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 woman gave more than all the rich people did because she gave from her heart. But what we overlook in that passage is this, and it's an important statement that's made about what she gave. You see, she didn't give a tenth of what she had. It says clearly she gave all she had. It may not have amounted in a dollar amount to the equivalent or more than what the rich people gave. But where they were giving, hopefully a tenth, she gave all. And that made her, to this day, a powerful woman in the sights of people because she was willing to to express her love for God in her financial gifts. And then some people come back and say, well, well, I don't really want to give a tithe. I I give an offering. Well, I'm going to explain to you and give you the definition, so to speak, uh, of what the offering and tithe is. A tithe is literally 10% of what we take in. So if I take in $100, then $10 of that goes to church. An offering is not less than a tithe. An offering is what we give above the tithe. It's beyond what God asked for. And some say that that the giving of offering above tithe is an even, even greater expression of trust and love and gratitude toward God for what he has done for us. Now, I won't ask of you to do anything that I don't do myself. Every month on the third, well, let's see, on the first I get paid. On the third, my tithe is drafted out of my account. And God blesses me daily, I say, because of it. You've heard this before, but I'm going to say it again. And I'm not boasting about myself, but I'm boasting about the things that God done for me since I've been down here. When we left one lifestyle, we didn't come down here to find no lifestyle. But God helped us create a lifestyle and an an identity in this community. The things that we left behind, God replaced with, with new things in our lives. And he didn't have to do that. It was through his gracious acts, his blessings, that I say is because of obedience to certain aspects of my life. Test me, he says, and I will pour out blessings upon you. And then he says that that the nations will look to you as a people and say that, that you are a blessed people. And you live in a delightful land. So I'm going to test God. Not only have I given them my tithes, 
challenge you to do the same that I do and to give above my tithe. And truth be known, that's the last cash I have. But I trust God to provide for me each and every day. He has never failed me, and he has never let me down. And next week, when we come back, I'm going to come back, and I want to tell you of the blessing that God has done for me during the week because I trusted him with my finance. And I challenge you to do the same. You see, active duty means being active. It means participating in the lifestyle of that culture, of that particular people. I don't expect anyone to get in rows of three and march off to the grocery store. But I do expect that we examine ourselves and ask, what do we value most? And in whom do we put our faith? And if we want to see our faith grow, then step out and start trusting God in the areas that you have not trusted him before in the past. Break down that wall that keeps you chained because Christ said, I come to set free and at liberty those who are bound. So in the week to come, consider the things that God has given to you and ask of yourself, what can I give back to the God who's given to me. Let us pray. Father God, as we close the sermon today, just ask that you be with each and every one of us. Help us to, to realize the, the great blessings, Father God, that you've given us in life and how important it is for us to, to remember your command to give back to you a tenth as an expression of love, as an expression of gratitude and, and, and as a way of helping the church to continue to thrive in the community in which it's planted. As a way of allowing you to bless us that others may see and say that that is the people that I want to be with. That this is the God that I want to worship because your mercy and kindness is so great, Father God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.